When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, the bronze medal game just ended at Rogers Place. Finland gets third place in the World Juniors, a 4-1 win over Russia, about 90 minutes away from the gold medal game. Canada and the United States classic matchup, 730 face off tonight we will chat a little world juniors as we move along this evening thanks a lot for checking in this evening world juniors a big topic of discussion for the edmonton oilers today as players were uh, slowly unveiled for their zoom availabilities after the morning session and then the afternoon session uh, many of them wearing either a uh, canadian or american jersey throwing back to their days in the tournament including defenseman caleb jones won gold with the states in 2017 yeah um you know obviously i got to be a part of a, a really good uh team that, that year we had a lot of good players and um we were able to beat canada in, in a shootout in montreal so um it's probably one of the most memorable games i'll have in my career and um you know those guys are gonna have a chance tonight you know it's it sucks there can't be fans there because that's a big part of the atmosphere especially playing in canada but um, it'll still feel good you know and once they take care of business tonight it'll feel good uh, to get that gold medal when you beat your rival all right, so Caleb Jones obviously going for the United States. Ryan Nugent Hopkins came out as well. He was decked out in his Team Canada jersey, and he's been following the tournament very closely, and of course he'll be watching tonight. I definitely I'll be watching tonight. Um, gone to watch most of their games so far, and they've been playing some great hockey. So uh, definitely looking forward to tonight. Uh, up against the States is always a great rivalry, so it'll be fun and uh, be cheering them on. And, uh, yeah, hope hope they bring it home. Ryan Nugent Hopkins played in the World Junior Tournament after already having played a season in the National Hockey League. Of course, he was drafted by the Oilers in 2011, played for the Oilers in the 11-12 season, played 62 games. He was on the roster the whole year. Remember, he got uh, hurt when he fell into the boards in that game in Chicago. Then the NHL had the lockout in the fall of 2012, so he played some games for the Oklahoma City Barons, and then uh, the Oilers made him available to go play in the World Junior Tournament. And Nuge was on the show before Christmas and said, you know, it was an honor to be on Team Canada, and of course you want to do that, but a bit of a tough memory for Nuge and that team. This was uh, the tournament contested in Russia, in Ufa, Russia, and Canada had a pretty good team. They went 4-0 in the round robin. They finished first in their pool, and at this time the tournament was structured so that the top three teams out of five in each pool made the playoff round. So Nuge's team Canada gets a bye into the semifinals and then they run into the United States in the semis and uh, the States had a good day. Canada did not. And the States won at five one. And then Canada also lost the third place game, the bronze medal game to Russia six, five. So Canada four and two in that tournament, but not enough to uh, win a gold medal. That was a pretty good United States team as well. Kyler Yamamoto, the uh, American kid from Spokane, he played on the tournament in 2018. He had some thoughts on the USA side. 
Uh, USA looks really good. Um, you know, I'm really rooting for them, and Canada also looks very good. So it's going to be a, definitely a great battle, um, but I'm really rooting for U.S. All right. Of course he is. Uh, Darnell Nurse came out and spoke today wearing the Team Canada jersey. Uh, so, of course, uh, we're, you know, we're asking the players, any bets, any bets between the Canadian and American players on tonight's game? What about it, Nooch? Uh, no bets. I don't think the uh, the American guys wanted to bet us. <laughs> All right. So so there you have it. According to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and, and we know that he wouldn't fabricate anything, that uh, the American players declining to bet. Look, Canada is obviously going to be, I, I think they have to be a heavy, heavy favorite in this game. They've been a dominant team at the tournament. 21st round draft picks. Nothing against the United States roster. Uh, seven first-round draft picks. They have a good team. They're dangerous, but everything's been clicking for Canada. They've been starting games well. And it's, uh, uh, one of the players who is not a first-round draft pick is goaltender Devin Levi, who was drafted in the seventh round by the Florida Panthers. He has been very, very good. I've been impressed with him. Looks steady. The good old quiet in his net. Doesn't get out of position. Has made the saves when Canada has been under a little bit of pressure. So uh, I think heavy advantage to Canada in that game tonight. Going to be fun coming up at 7 30 thanks for tuning in tonight you can get in touch by texting or calling 780-496-0063 follow me on twitter at reed wilkins r-e-i-d-w-i-l-k-i-n-s and uh, you can email inside sports at 630ched.com i saw somebody has texted in how do you get a 50 50 ticket you use the good old-fashioned internet it is hockeycanada.ca slash 5050, so not too hard to remember. And then you just got to fill in the, uh, the, the information on the online form, your name, email address, address, all that kind of stuff, and then put in your credit card info to buy the ticket, depending on how many you want. The 5050 jackpot is currently at $9.7 million. It's gone up uh, about $350,000 since I was talking to Jay Lynn 12 minutes ago. So people like the 50-50. So it should well exceed $10 million. Now, this is the entire pot. So again, you, you only get half if you do win. But you can buy until 10 o'clock tonight. So basically right around the time the game is going to be ending, you have until buy to, to, uh, to buy tickets. Man, we love our 50-50. I, I've told this story before. My buddy Jay Onright at TSN, who grew up in Athabasca, he's on the sh- been on the show several times. A few years ago, he won a 50-50 at a Toronto Blue Jays game. I, now, it, I, don't, I don't think it was by, by any stretch of the imagination sold out, but still, a, a kind of a poor crowd for baseball would be about an average crowd for hockey. Jay won the 50-50 at a Major League Baseball Toronto Blue Jays game. You know what he took home? nine thousand dollars now look hey it's it's you know free money he probably spent 20 bucks on the tickets i wouldn't turn down someone handing me nine thousand dollars on an investment of under 100 but still you know it's it it, i don't think the money changed jay's life uh i'd take an extra nine grand lying around absolutely but i mean it's now at 9.8 million dollars like this this is this is a mansion in Castle Downs. If you win that jackpot, I mean, you could probably open your own bakery. What style of bakery would you open 
with your 50-50 winning. 780-496-0063 is how you can let me know. Anyway, the, the Oilers continue training camp today at Nate. They will still be there uh, tomorrow, scheduled to move into the downtown community arena for sessions on uh, Thursday and Saturday. Of course, all you know, it's always uh, tentative as we go through this, but those are the plans right now. They are, are still rolling out with two sessions, so half the players are on the ice at 10. They go for uh, about an hour and a half, pretty lengthy practices, and then the other group gets on the ice at 1 and goes to about 2.30. I, I saw more five-on-five five work today, still no scrimmages. So I'm reluctant to offer uh, more thorough evaluations, especially of the goaltenders, until we get into scrimmage situations. But, uh, you know, I think there's a good tempo to uh, to the practices. And Yessi Pugliarvi continues to be a story and continues to be someone who uh, people are focusing on. I, I, I do find it interesting following... The, the dialogue surrounding Yessi Pugliarvi, I, I don't spend a lot of time looking at comments and back and forth on social media, but I saw a little bit today. For, uh, I tweeted out another video of, of, uh, of Pugliarvi, and I saw somebody like, you got to play him with McDavid. Well, I, I, don't, he, I don't think he's going to start the year there. I think they want to put him in a role where maybe he's on a third line. He's uh, not going to be thrust into a position where, okay, you're one of the primary scorers, so you better get a ton of goals. I think uh, I, I think that start him on that third line with Turris and Archibald right now is the left wing, even though he's a right shot, and let him prove himself. Let him prove he can do all those little things to make an impact in the game to uh, to to really prove that he can be a well-rounded player, which, I mean, to be fair, he wasn't when he was here before. And and look, if 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 I'm not I'm I'm not trying to slag the kid for the for the sake of slagging him. I want him to be successful. I want those of you who you know were happy the Oilers got him to feel justified about that pick. I thought it was a great pick at the time that he fell to the Oilers at number four. But uh, you know, at some point you got to perform. And yes, was it always handled appropriately by the organization? I don't think so. I think he should have been sent to the minors much sooner as a rookie. It was uh, an odd situation when Hitchcock uh, took over as coach and said, "I told Sorelli, call him up. I'm going to make him a player." And then you know, Hitch isn't really playing him. And then it's like, okay, well, shouldn't he be back in the minors and developing? So it's it's been a bit of a soap opera with Yessi. But he's got to figure it out. I think he knows he has to figure it out. And he was asked today, what improved in your game while you were playing in Finland? I think uh, my strength, how I can protect the puck, that's uh, one thing for sure is uh, helps small eyes a lot. And I think just like confidence with the puck and I can play like North Northern pack game. I think that's... There's a couple of things, but I think for sure it's better. Yeah, well, and I think that's a good point. Yes, and we talked about this yesterday. Yessi Pugliarvi is a massive human being. 6'4", a lot of hockey players are tall, and, and a lot of hockey players are obviously, you know, have the quote-unquote big bodies. But he did, I mean, Dave Tippett said it yesterday, he's a mountain of a man out there. He's not a tall, skinny rail. He takes up a lot of space on the ice. He can skate and he has good hands. And if he can get into that mentality that he doesn't just have to play a skill game, that he can grind and protect the puck and get in on the forecheck, that's going to help the Oilers a lot. And that's what I really thought when when he was here before, 
that he just didn't come up with enough pucks or or make enough of an impact in terms of uh, engaging in puck battles and getting the puck down low to his teammates. There's no doubt if he has time, sure, he can make a pass, he can make a shot. Most decent NHL players can do that if they have time. But you got to be able to make play, plays in the small spaces. And with a body like that, you're expected to grind and protect the puck. So I'm glad he focused on that. Hopefully we see these skills once we get into game situations. No exhibition, so him performing in, in the scrimmages whenever the Oilers have them is going to be key because that's going to be a big opportunity for him to prove himself. So Puliyarvi was away from the team, and a lot of the storylines uh, you know, about a year ago was that he wasn't coming back. So I asked Puliyarvi what's it been like being an Oiler again uh, after you know a, a year or so ago, everybody was thinking that, that you were done with the organization. Actually, really good. Uh, there is no not any problems, and being really fun. And I give some jokes, and they ask me uh, many questions. So is there is good good feeling about there, and yeah, I really nice to be back and help those guys to win games and be good teammate. So I, I'm wondering too what it's like in that dressing room where a player comes back. And he, uh, you know, he was struggling before and everybody knows the situation. He, uh, he wound up getting hip surgery and not finishing that season when Hitch was the coach. And then everything happens with the agent getting involved and we're going to Finland and we don't want to be an oiler ever again and all that kind of stuff. So is, and I asked Nuge, does that need to be addressed or smoothed over or is it just whatever? He's a player, he's back to win a spot and that's all we care about. Here's what Nuge said. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't really think it needs to be touched on. I mean, uh, he's out here, he's working hard. Um, he's put in the time. I mean, um, I think he's worked on his English a lot. He's, he's uh, definitely speaking a lot better right now. And and his attitude is he wants to be here. He wants to do what he can to, to be a part of this group. And um, I think that's a great attitude for him to have right now. And uh, we're excited to have him out here. I mean, um, you know how talented Jesse is. He's a, he's a big kid uh, with all the talent in the world. And, um, we're excited to see uh, him put it together and um, be a part of this group. All right, so there you have it. I, I think he wants to be back. He wants to contribute. His teammates want him to contribute. I think all that other stuff uh, probably doesn't get nearly as much play in the dressing room, if any, as it would on shows like this and with fans like you. So so far, so good for Pugliarvi after two days. If, if he can contribute, I've talked about Kyle Turris, perhaps the Oilers have a really legitimate, dangerous, ice-tilting third line for the first time in a while. Tracy has emailed me and says, I live just north of Stony Plain and the World Juniors 50-50 won't let me buy tickets due to my location. Tracy, I'm not sure why that is. It's supposed to work if you're in Alberta. I know there are some businesses, though I'm going to guess you're at home at 6.20 at night, though I guess I shouldn't make an assumption. You could be, uh, uh, you know, running your local business or whatever it is that you do. But but some some companies might have uh, servers or, or home offices that are in another province and all the computers get connected through that and that's the ip address that they have i'm not sure if that's your issue if anybody can help tracy let me know text in 7804960063 we definitely want tracy to get a ticket because if there's anybody besides me i want to win half of 9.98 million dollars oh it just went over 10 it's now over 10 million dollars so you'd get five if you want it if there's anybody besides me i want to win 
it's uh, it's Tracy. That's for sure. 780-496-0063. This texture says I would open a bakery like Evansburg. It's in the old Mazeppa's location. I know exactly where you're talking about. There was definitely a uh, not a bakery in that location when I lived in, it, in, in Evansburg. So I'm glad it has a good bakery. And B-Rad says I would sell a bakery that sells, I would open a bakery that sells cold beer. B-Rad, that is my type of bakery. All right, Tracy, I hope you're still listening. One texter says, turn off your VPN and make sure your location service is on. Turn off your VPN and make sure your location service is on. You can do this in your browser. Hopefully, that makes sense. Uh, somebody else says, if you are on ExploreNet Wi-Fi, it may not work. I hope that helps. We're doing th- this. Is this is this is uh, this is how beautiful this show has become. We will give you your latest sports news and your Oilers talk, and we will troubleshoot your tech issues. We're back after the break. Finland won the bronze medal 4-1 over Russia. And Canada and the United States coming up just after 7.30. We'll have Jeff Wawitka on the show. I uh, was briefly in Edmonton Oilers during his NHL career. He played in the World Juniors and uh, was part of a tense battle against the United States back in 2003. Okay, Andy writes in. He says, uh, hey, Reed, so many young players making waves for the Oilers. Broberg, Holloway, Bouchard, McLeod. Give me the breakdown. Who's staying? Who's going back? I would keep Bouchard and Holloway up with the Oilers for sure. Well, Holloway obviously hasn't been in camp because he's been with the World Juniors. Dylan Holloway will will not be an Edmonton Oiler this year, uh, Andy. He'll go back to uh, Wisconsin and play there. Philip Broberg is not in camp. He finished with the uh, with the Swedish World Junior team, and he went back to Sheleftia in the Swedish league. So he'll come back to North America once uh, that season is done so uh, no broberg this year you know bouchard the way it is bouchard with bouchard right now i, I think he's the 7 8 defenseman if if you look at the way the pairings are structured you got uh, nurse and bear you got uh, jones and larson and you have chris russell with tyson berry and then the fourth pairing is slater cuckoo and uh, evan bouchard i i would think for sure cuckoo is going to be around as the number 7 Bouchard could uh, could play for the Bakersfield Condors or maybe stay around as a member of the taxi squad. But uh, uh, Holloway definitely not going to be with the Oilers. And, 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 and Andy, you mentioned Ryan McLeod. I, I will say this about Ryan McLeod. Whenever I have seen him in an Oilers camp, and I guess I've seen him, uh, what, three times now? Because he was in training camp last fall. He was in the playoff camp over the summer. And seeing him again a little bit the last two days, the, the guy can skate. He... he He's one of those players that you look, you know, because you're kind of sitting there and as someone who covers the team and like a lot of you people do, you watch every game or go to the games. I mean, you know a player a lot of times just by his his uh, his posture or his body language. You don't need to see the number or the face. But then I know with McLeod a lot of times I'll see a guy make a play or have a good burst of speed. Oh, who's that again? Oh, that's Ryan McLeod. So I, I hope he can eventually be probably uh you know maybe a third line option for the oilers who who can provide some speed so yeah i I haven't minded mcleod when i've seen him for sure travis from 
Black Fault says you have to have a bakery that sells those uh, pepperoni cheese sticks. All right. Travis, I appreciate your feedback. We're going to be talking a bit about John Muckler in the next half hour of the show. Of course, a key member of the Oilers dynasty of the 1980s and the head coach of the team that won the Stanley Cup in 1990. Ron Lowe, former Oilers goaltender, assistant coach, and head coach, tells uh, this story from the 89-90 season. I'll never forget in the 89-90 year, uh, getting called up to his room at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I forget, I think we're in Toronto. And he said to me, he says, Ronnie, he says, i got to make one of the toughest decisions of my life. And um, I said, well, what, what can that be, John? And he said, I feel like I have to bench Yari Curry. And I went, uh, what? He goes, he's not playing good. And to get him going... And to get our team to understand, I think I have to bench him. And he didn't play him that game. And I'll never forget Yari was so upset, but he came to John, and after the conversation was done, Yari left and was probably our best player the rest of the year. And that's one of the things I remember about Muck. He told me once, if you leave the rink today after practice, and haven't learned something about your team, then you better go to the video and see something you might have missed because every day is a learning day at the rink. Yeah, great story. I mean, Yuri Curry, an, an elite, elite player in the NHL and, and a key member of the Oilers in all their Stanley Cup years, but 89-90 included, and, and Mock uh, stepped up and and benched him, and they went on from there to win another cup. Great story there from Ron Lowe. And, and several people said that today, and we're going to have Glenn Anderson and Kevin Lowe coming up in the next half hour, that Muckler said, you, if you're leaving the rink, you better have learned something. If not, go back to the video room until you do. Inside Sports on Chet, Glenn Anderson coming up. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Canada and the United States about an hour away. Gold medal game at Rogers Place earlier. Game wrapped up about half an hour ago. Finland over Russia 4-1. So uh, they take the bronze medal. Devonta Smith from Alabama. First wide receiver in 29 seasons to win the Heisman Trophy. Fourth receiver ever to win it. Desmond Howard won it in 91, Tim Brown in 87, Johnny Rogers back in 1972. Don't forget, national championship game is uh, Monday between Alabama and Ohio State. How about this? Uh, the coach of the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, positive for COVID-19. He's going to have to miss their playoff game Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. First Browns playoff game since 2002. Their special teams coordinator, Mike Prefer, will be the acting head coach against the Steelers. Well, John Muckler, very sad news. 86 years of age, an integral part of the Edmonton Oilers franchise for, well, about a decade and an integral part of their five Stanley Cup champions. He passed away, and with some memories tonight, I'm pleased to be joined by the one and only Glenn Anderson. Glenn, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, sir? 
Ray, good to see, hear you anyway. The, um, always great to be back with you. Well, it's nice to talk to you, and, and thanks for being generous with your time and uh, and, uh, and hopping on when you're able to. And uh, I, I don't think we're going to be catching up in person in Studio 99 this year on, on a pregame show, but to hopefully things get back to normal uh, that way. Man, oh, man, uh, hearing so much about John Muckler since the news broke last night. And, uh, you know, I, I said it, Glenn, an integral part of the team. Obviously, you players, deservingly so, get a lot of credit. But John's contributions, I think, are, are probably measurable. Yeah, I think, and, and a lot of people don't understand the um, influence that he had, not only tactically, but... Um, as a as a team and how he broke down other teams and you know the the relationships that he had with the players i think that was really special and um he just won at every level every level he coached at, he won and he was just a winner all the way around i i've heard other guys say that today about tactics and, and breaking down opponents did he take that to a new level in the nhl or to a level that a lot of coaches weren't going at that time um, I, I mean, we were going there. I, I mean, I think he, uh, coming off the Olympics uh, in 80, I was kind of uh, systemed out. Like, I didn't know that there were that many systems in, in hockey um, until I played on the Olympic team. But basically, I think we tried every single system under the sun. Uh, because we're playing against all the different countries and each country that you played against, whether it be um, Germany, Czechoslovakia, Slovakia, Sweden, Russia, Finland, uh, Norway, they all kind of had different systems and they would come up with different systems, um, you know, each and different game. And um, you'd have to be able to adapt. And John Muckler was one of those guys that could see in midstream uh, what the other team was doing and be able to come in um, in the middle of a shift, in the middle of the period and uh, readjust your game and your tactical moves. But, I mean, he really broke it down hard uh, when he had a little more time to work with it, especially the Islanders, Al Arbor, the better coaches that were systematically uh, inclined to use um, Montreal, um, the system was needed to be broken down on a regular basis. Uh, so, you know, the best of the best, um, you'd have to break them down. Uh, so Detroit was another one, Chicago. I mean, each, each team had their own little quirks and he, he was able to find out what they all were and kind of influenced us to give us a little more room to, um, do what our game, uh, was all about. And that was free wheeling and skating. Yeah. I'm wondering what you can say about his communication style and getting that across to you, Glenn, when, when he did break down another team. And I'm asking it in this context because I've talked to a lot of athletes over the years and I know you like playing and I know you like information on your opponent. I also know athletes don't necessarily like uh, sitting in classrooms and hearing hour-long speeches or <laughs> you want to be shown and told what to do and, and go do it. So how, how was John in getting that information across to you in a nice, concise way? Um, pretty easy, uh, in, in my opinion. He broke it down. Uh, like, right, like right from, the, um, from the, uh, your own end, through, he was big on neutral ice really big on neutral ice and speed through the neutral ice early 
like in the 80s was big on that and then you know special teams you're penalty killing and um power play uh how what other teams were doing and he'd break that down as far as uh classrooms and being into it i mean you had i don't know if you can go back and remember you had glenn sailor doing us aerobic doing aerobic classes before training camp so if, if the guys could do that you could sit through an hour of classroom okay. <laughs> of what other stuff is going on so you know whatever it took to be successful i think uh, we all were buying in everyone bought into the system and bought into uh, what our goal was and um everyone was tugging on the same piece of rope yeah so I'm wondering if there's a moment you re- you remember maybe where he uh, challenged you or let you know there was a part of your game that, that needed some work. Uh, is there a story there? And, and how did he go apart, uh, go about doing that when he needed to, uh, you know, maybe give an athlete a, a nudge or, or a boot in the right direction? Uh, well, I mean, obviously... <laughs> I wasn't like I, I think I was pulled into his office maybe once, um, and um, and that was it. So as far as what he would do on the bench um, in, in mid game, he would he let the let the veterans kind of do this thing. Some of the younger guys he would lay into a little harder. But I remember we're in Buffalo. Hasek was the goalie, and and a, um, a one timer came across and. Um, it came it came across fairly quickly so you know i planted and kind of got the best shot off that i could and it kind of instead of going into the short side where it was supposed to go it, i kind of put it about a foot too far back towards the goalie dominic and um i put it back into him well i came back to the bench and he goes what the hell are you doing why are you shooting it back at him i go it's not that i'm trying to i'm trying to get it into the net but it was like it was a shock like it was like like it was like he like i did it on purpose why would you shoot it back at him that type of thing and i was i was kind of startled by it i was like i wasn't trying to <laughs> but it was like um it, it, it was the subtleness of it and like he was he was honest and um and upfront with you as the day is long so like he told you the way it was if things weren't going good he'd let you know and um you knew things were going good when uh he didn't have to come over and say anything and that was we had we were fortunate enough to be on a, on a team that was um pretty good and uh he really broke things down in the playoffs and we had a tape before every playoff game you know in the morning skate so uh, that's where you the expertise and and the brilliance and the tactical stuff of his genius came out um and uh and it fit into our game plan like obviously you know five cups in seven years and he was part of all of them well, and he was the head coach in 89-90. Did, did anything change with Muckler when he actually took over as the head coach? Like, did, did relationships change? Did he have to behave a little differently, or did it kind of feel like just a, just a continuation? No, I mean, everyone respected Muck. Muck was, you know, you had to respect him because of his knowledge, his intellect, and his approach toward the game, the professionalism that he showed you and the sport and being a pro. What is it like to be a pro and the, and being a human being? So you respected him. Where, you know, you know when Slats was there, the, I, I got to tell this story because because <laughs> it was it's you know Muck 
Mockwoods and Greeny were, you know, the tandem. They were like together forever. They were like two peas in a pod. And and it was the funny thing at pregame meals, we would never shoe shine John Muckler. We always shoe shine Teddy Green. <laughs> it was so weird. So we would never do that to Slats, and we never did it to John Muckler. That's how much respect we had for him. Where Greeny was more of a player's coach, and I think we shoe shined his uh, shoes. 35 times in a row. Now, those are 35 road games. You'll, there's only 40 a year. <laughs> Pretty good ratio. Glenn Anderson joining us on Inside Sports with some uh, awesome memories of John Muckler, who has passed away at the age of 86. Uh, Glenn, thanks for hopping on. I just want to throw you one more before I let you go on a, on a slightly different topic. I know you follow the NHL and the Oilers pretty closely. We're finally getting back at it. You guys used to play the Flames, Canucks, uh, Jets, and Kings eight times each a year. Well, guess what? Uh, This year's team is going to set a new record for most regular season matchups against the same opponents because it's nine times each and ten times each against the Flames at the Canucks in just 56 games. Uh, How much are are you as a a spectator and an Oilers alum, and I guess a Leafs alum as well, uh, looking forward to this Canadian division? Well, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, don't forget we played in exhibition games and then in playoffs too in our uh, Smythe division back then in the day. So uh, they are going to be sick and tired of playing against each other. I tell you that it, it's going to be kind of a um, rinse and repeat cycle that uh, will be on on a regular basis. But uh, I mean, you'll get through it. I mean, it, it's 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 the new normal. Um, sad to say, it, it, we're just fortunate enough that we can get uh, some sports in, which is great at uh, at this time. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, 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 I'm surprised that they are, they're going to be able to pull it off. Uh, good. Uh, for the NHL and um, Mr. Bettman for uh, uh, getting the playoffs done and getting the regular season um, started and on the way. I I just uh, hope and pray that uh, they can uh, get through the 56 games. Yeah, I hear you for sure. Glenn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Hopefully we can connect uh, during the season to see your thoughts on how this year's uh, edition of the team is doing and really appreciate your memories and stories of John Muckler. Uh, he was a great human. I uh, love John. We spent a lot of time in Florida. We went to baseball games. He was a big baseball fan. He had season tickets to the Boston Red Sox. He told me great stories. I love watching baseball with him. It was fond memories. Awesome. Thank you, Glenn. That's Glenn Anderson on Inside Sports. That guy's a good player. Oilers back on the ice. 10 o'clock tomorrow morning for day three of training camp at Nate. We'll have the latest stories for you. Tomorrow on Inside Sports, and of course, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. Check out 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Got a write-up on Yessi Pugliarvi there. John Muckler passing away at the age of 86, member of the Oilers coaching staff as an assistant and then as a head coach as they won five Stanley Cups in seven years. And for some additional memories of that era, we welcome. Well, a guy who's now in the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame, former Oilers defenseman, current vice chair with OEG, it is Kevin Lowe. Kevin, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, well, Reed. other than uh, 
the topic of our conversation, but uh, I can't complain personally. Well, thanks for coming on to talk about John Muckler, such a huge part of the Oilers teams of the 80s and into the early 90s, and uh, what a legacy he, have, he has left this organization. Man, oh man, uh, I, I almost don't know where to begin, but uh, did you remember first getting to know Muck or how he established himself on that coaching staff with you guys? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Muck came into the organization and coached in the minors for a while, and uh, when he arrived uh, up with the big team, he certainly, you know, made his way uh, in a, uh, uh, shall I put it, diplomatic fashion. But it didn't take very long before his approach and understanding of the game, you know, became pretty apparent to us. And uh, I believe John's first year was 82-83. So we went to the finals and lost four straight to the Islanders. And that's really when, you know, his fingerprints on the organization, on the team, on the success of the team really became apparent. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was evident that in order for us to win, um, we would have to change things. We'd have to become a more complete team. And, and he was able to, you know, drop game plans and, and uh, he was able to articulate the need for it, why it was important. I mean, other than the obvious, it's one thing to tell a group of professional athletes, yeah, in order for you to win, you got to do this, but you got to, you know, you got to convince them, you got to show how it's going to be done. You know, in some cases, is this going to take away from, you know, personal accomplishments, all those things. And, and uh, you know, he was able to do that. He, he was, he was I, I, I've said this a number of times over the years, I, I don't know how much, you know, how much on the level of importance uh, you can compare John Muckler to, you know, Gretzky, Messi, Curry, and Glenn Sather in terms of the success of the team. I mean, he's right up there because I don't believe we win four, four cups in five years without him being there. Coaches take different approaches. Sometimes they might even take different approaches with different players. But how did John Muckler get his message across when it needed to be delivered? <laughs> well, I have to tell a, a Craig Simpson story actually told today uh, and not to ruin it for everyone. For those that hadn't heard it yet, it was, you know, Craig is so capable of, of uh, uh, sharing stories and, and uh, does it so well. And, and he, he said John reminded him of his dad uh, and, or a dad, period, not just his dad, but any dad where, you know, uh, or a parent for that matter, um, when you're telling your children, you know, you have to give, you have to tell them something it's for their own good. And, uh, you, you, as the, as a child, or in this case, Craig, as a player realized, well, first of all, had a ton of respect for John and knew that he wasn't doing it for any other reason other than it was the right thing. And it had to do with, with Craig, uh, you know, he was starting, he had been at the team for a few years and wanted to expand his game a little bit and carry the puck a little more. And, and so, you know, John sat him down and, and John saw that as a, a detriment to the success of the team. And that was a knock against Craig because, you know, his attributes were, you know, as good as anybody on the team at what he did well. But uh, one thing John was trying to get across to him was that you're playing with Mark Messier and Glenn Anderson, uh, two guys that are great skaters, great puck handlers. Uh, you, on the other hand, aren't as good a skater. So I think it's in your best interest 
the team, your line's best interest and your team's best interest if you don't skate through the puck anymore, uh, skate with the puck anymore through the neutral zone. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, you know, as Craig said, that was a tough pill to swallow. But when he thought about it more and more, you know, over the course of the next couple of days, you realize, well, it is Anderson and Messier and it's not such a bad thing to give them the puck. And, and then I can jump in the hole and, and put the puck in the net. But, uh, you know, John continued uh, to tell Craig that, and by the way, you know, this isn't, um, uh, th this isn't a, you know, a short-term game plan. This is a rule. For now on, you don't carry the puck through the neutral zone. You give it to those guys. So, uh, and the point of all that was, and Craig really articulated it well, was that, you know, any of the guys that had been around John Muckler long enough, they knew that when he was telling you something, it was accurate and it was in the best interest of you and the team. Yeah, well said. And he got to win a cup as a, as a head coach. I mean, five and seven was was awesome, regardless of your spot on the team. But, uh, you know, he took over behind the bench. Uh, the team hadn't had Gretzky for a year. Sather decided to, uh, you know, move away from the bench. W was the vibe on that team uh, any different, or was there some motivation with, with the players now that the muck was the one calling all the shots? Well, yeah, there was a lot of motivation. And I, I really believe that having John Muckler as the coach for that that year in particular, I think it was extra motivation for the players because, you know, especially the guys that have been there for all five cups, Randy Gregg and Charlie Huddy and uh, Glenn Anderson, Mark Messier, Yari Curry. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any others, but um, that group of guys would have all known how important John Muckler was to the equation. And, you know, it's tough when you got all the stars and then you got Glenn Sather was a big presence. You know, guys like John Muckler and Teddy Green probably never got enough credit for their contributions. So having John Muckler as a head coach and Teddy Green as his assistant, you know, it was a real opportunity for them, not unlike us as players, to try to win a cup without Wayne uh, Gretzky in the lineup. And, and so, you know, we had... It, it, it was a real feather in everyone's cap collectively, uh, you know, led by John Muckler to be able to win that fifth cup in 1990. Yeah. Well said. Well, Kevin, thanks for sharing some memories and, and giving fans some perspective on, on John Muckler. We really appreciate it. Certainly. Uh, I think an Oilers legend up there, like you said, with some of the, the names, uh, the, the, some of the banners that are hanging from the roof of Rogers place. Really appreciate your time. Uh, my pleasure, Reed. Yeah. I just, uh, Hope everyone uh, remembers John in a good fashion. Uh, he certainly deserves it. He was a hockey man through and through. Um, he, uh, you know, <laughs> he just lived and breathed the game. And uh, sorry to see him gone and nothing but great memories of him and our time with him. So uh, thanks for your time tonight, Reed. Thank you, Kevin. That is Kevin Lowe with his own memories of John Muckler. And you can hear it from him. You can hear it from Glenn Anderson, who we had on earlier this half hour, how much they respected John Muckler. The great one, Wayne Gretzky, was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer just after noon today saying, yeah, those practices with Muckler on the coaching staff were pretty intense. Yeah, it was pretty unique, pretty special. And uh, I think the... Uh, one of the greatest quotes I ever heard from everyone that I was around in Edmonton, and 
it was always so much fun to play there and win. Such a great team, as everyone knows, and so many wonderful people. But Rod Phillips used to have the greatest quote ever. Him and Jimmy Matheson used to say, uh, we get to watch 80 games, but it's pretty special. We get to watch every practice, and sometimes the practices are way better than the games. And that's the way Mark and Glenn were and Teddy. They just they really pushed us to another level. They made us accountable. Um, we used to work hard every day in practice, and I've said this many a time. Um, it's pretty easy to become a better hockey player when every single drill you do and every single shift I was in, I had to go against Mark Messier. And I like to think the same for Mark, that I made him a better player. And that's what was so unique about our team. We were just kids. We were just playing. We weren't worried about who was going to the Hall of Fame. We weren't worried about stats. We were, ready, we were worried about genuinely getting better the next day and winning the championship and bringing that back to Edmonton. And that's what made the, the entire group so special. A little bit there from Wayne Gretzky. A lot of uh, awesome memories of John Muckler. Okay, we get a break for the 7 o'clock news and weather. We'll talk a little bit about the World Junior Final coming up at 7.30. Vermillion's Jeff Wawitka played in the tournament. We will uh, get some memories from him and thoughts on what that Canada-U.S. rivalry is like to participate in. And, of course, we'll continue with some updates from Oilers training camp as they were once again on the ice at Nate. Back after the news. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.